Hello everybody and welcome back to the AfriCast on the eve of this long weekend. Joining me is Brendan. Hey. And Louis. Hey, what's up? Good, good. Looking forward to the long weekend. I think um, usually when I was on the podcast before uh, and it's like, oh, what are you guys doing this weekend? It's like, oh, nothing. <laughs> Just at the house. This long weekend, I'm going down to Cape Town. Um, I'm Very not nice. the biggest traveler in the world, but there's a big Pokemon TCG tournament there. Ah. Uh, depending on my performance there, I could get an invite to the World Championship in Japan in August. So we'll see either on Monday, I'm either going to be really happy or I'm going to be really disappointed. <laughs> we'll have to see. On top of expensive flights and everything to Japan. Uh, just, um, just be careful in Cape Town. I hear there's flooding. Why? Some, there's some flooding in some parts of Cape Town. Oh, yeah. Okay. Oh, uh, yeah. The days I've seen on social media. So just uh, be a bit careful out there. And if you are in Cape Town, just uh, be careful. Anyway. Oh, I had no idea. In that's general, like, yeah. Yeah, that's like a top tip. I thought you were going to say like, be careful the wind doesn't blow you off Table Mountain. I mean, or that could happen. Yeah, he's, he's hitting me with legitimate advice over here. Be careful about all the, the Pokemon, the Cape Town Pokemon players. I hear they're a bit uh, scummy, you know? I'm going to wow. tell them that. They're going to... They're going to hunt you down. Well, now that you said that, now they're going to hunt you down. <laughs> now they're going to uh, come for me. Are you guys doing anything on a long weekend? I know it's Father's Day, um, but if uh, you guys yeah. got anything planned? Being cold. I'm going to... Being yeah, cold. definitely be cold uh i think this will be my first father's day yes i was gonna say that louis like uh, all of us on the score is like the biggest one for you indeed so uh i'm gonna spend it sleeping <laughs> and i don't think your uh less than one year old infant got you a good present unfortunately no, I, no, no. I could be wrong um what i for what i know about babies i don't think they they uh have the best credit to get a credit card and to get you no, this no. present so the, the the present she gives me all the time is just she she vomits on my on my oh, shoulders uh, which is fine you know i always say thank you thank you baby thank you <laughs> thanks <laughs> so guys let's get into the news of the week and louis talking about you uh you want yes. to start us off with multi-choice yeah going from something very heartwarming to something very not heartwarming um, so multi-choice has, uh, you know, in March, uh, a lot of the big corporations in South Africa start unveiling the results for the year, Yeah. Uh, from the year from 2022 to 2023. Um, and multi-choice posted a terrible, horrible loss. Um, they, in the, in the one year period from 2022 to 2023, the March to March, they lost 2.9 billion rand. Oh, yeah. Um, as far as far as I could see, uh, from because they they only have um, the results from 2019. Um, this is their biggest loss uh, in that period. So from 2023 to 2019 is their biggest loss. Um, and uh, yeah, it's it doesn't look good for MultiChoice. Um, similarly to Telcom, which also suffered uh, uh, some some not great results. Um, they are they have stopped paying dividends to um, to investors. Um, and uh, yeah, they it's they it's not looking good. So what were, what uh, did it, they blame Louis. Just out of interest, <laughs> what did they say? Who's responsible the for this? Yeah. Okay, I, t- I was gonna get into it. I'll tell you. Uh, <laughs> they they blamed a whole bunch of stuff. Um, in fact, uh, if you read the re- the the report, the PDF, mm. they they have certain sections where they blame different things. Oh. Uh, but but uh, at wow. the, the kind of the thing at the top is that they blamed uh, South Africa. Let's put it uh, that way. Oh, yeah. Wow. So they blamed load shedding. They blamed uh, the the several interest rate hikes we've had. Mm-hmm. They blamed inflation locally, mm-hmm. um, and and they blamed 
uh, basically that because of all these things, South African subscribers have been dropping like flies. So in the one year period, uh, MultiChoice lost 144,000 subscribers, in, in particularly in South Africa, which is only a 2% decrease from the year prior. So they're saying that South African subscribers, uh, or rather the South African customers are paying less for TV and they, they, they're not so much into entertainment and they're basically canceling their subscriptions. They're not turning, not tuning to Showmax. They're not looking into, into multi-choice programming, basically. Um, other things that multi-choice blamed was uh, the uh, US dollar to South African exchange rate. Apparently, multi-choice buys a lot of their... Um, their technology uh, in dollars, especially uh, for other markets outside of South Africa, um, like Kenya and Nigeria, they buy the, the the infrastructure and things like that with dollars, with US dollars. So that affected them. Yeah. Um, also, that's which was probably, interesting. That's yeah. probably the most reasonable excuse they've given so far, because uh, I'll bring this up when you, when you finish here, Louis, but I mean, every company in South Africa is dealing with these problems. Right. Um, but the US dollar thing does affect international companies more than maybe companies who are only operating in South Africa. So another thing that was of interest, which is for me was like very strange. And I, I want to ask you guys, what do you think about this? So another thing that they blame for low, uh, because the revenues were high, but all their costs kind of overwhelmed the revenues, right? Yeah. They, had, they had high revenues, but it would, they were just overwhelmed by the costs. One thing that they did blame for having revenues that may have not been as high as they wanted was that they pulled all of their Russian operations and Russian programming from the platform. Um, obviously, uh, after Russia invaded Ukraine in the in the year period, MultiChoice was one of the companies that said, "Actually, we're not we're not gonna be you know going with Russian programming or rushing anything." Um, I think if you go to DSTV, the Russian news channel is still like off. Um, so yeah, I don't know what what do you guys think about that. I mean. Um, how many people were were, were really yeah. on DSTV? Like, I know that there are folks that buy DSTV specifically for certain, um, like foreign news channels. Yeah. Um, but I mean, that's also like not running it anymore. Seems like it would save you costs. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> that programming, like, I can understand pulling your services. Like, I don't know how big. Uh, multi-choices presence was in the likes of Russia mm -hmm. um, but I mean that's that I can see how that could affect it but I I, I don't know I feel like a lot of companies that uh, that that have reported uh, what's happening with their, their financials lately have turned to that as an excuse and I'm sure that it does have an impact but how much of an impact really yeah, yeah. and how many people in South Africa are buying DSTV because they want some Russian news channel. Um, I, if it is one percent, I would be shocked. It's more likely a percentage of a percent. So yeah. I really don't. I'm not saying I don't believe this. I'm just saying if it impacted the bottom line, it did it so minimally. Is what I want to say here. What's yeah. interesting though, Louis, sorry, I'm just yeah. uh, I'm just reading here that it's, they said that the online uh the overall online user base increased by twelve percent. Um right, right. So that's I believe that will be uh over Showmax and yeah, the yeah, streaming yeah. platforms. Yeah. Uh and then Showmax subscribers grew at twenty six percent. But I mean, if they're not doing that well, especially like just looking at their financials, which ooh, 
This is a roller coaster. Yeah. So if you, if you, yeah. So as soon as I opened the financials, I was like, oh my god, <laughs> like that, that is terrible. There's so many like uh, negatives. Yeah. In the, so in the balance brackets. sheets. So yeah. Many it's like, uh, Brendan, you have that open right now. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, is there a section for how much the executives got paid? No, no, no. That's not yet. No, they don't. They don't, they don't include things like that. Yeah. Mm. yeah. Well, so, um, yeah. one of the things uh, I want to add, uh, kind of maybe to for for multi choice to kind of be a bit more optimistic, um, is that the rest of Africa uh, user base um, is actually doing better than the South African user base. So they, um, un unlike with South Africa that lost subscribers, um, they picked up one million more subscribers across their African. Um, other African markets, including Botswana, Nigeria, Kenya, okay. and uh, there, there's like 14, 15 countries that they operate in. Um, other than that, uh, they're they're launching a new show max, and they say well, another excuse is that they're saying that they've their continued investment in show max also hampered uh, overall results. Yeah. Um, so, I I mean I'm. I'm usually the first one to bash big companies because uh, they usually don't have your best interest in mind. But I just think it's important when you look at the stuff and say, you know what, I'm not subscribed to show um, to Showmax or to DSTV or whatever. I don't really care if they have a bad year or even if they go under. But I just have to say, like, it is a local company. I don't know mm. what like holding company has the biggest like percentage ownership or whatever, but they do invest in local stuff and. That is so important, even if it isn't like the majority of what they do, but to invest in anything made in South Africa is still really important. So I'm not saying, oh, I'm worried they're going to shut it tomorrow and then, you know, like South African actors will be in the poorhouse or anything like that. I'm just saying it's super important to invest back in the country. And I think this company is doing it more than, say, the South African arm of Netflix or the South African arm of Amazon Prime Video or whatever like mm. that. So. I, I again, you know, not to give validation to excuses, but at least they are investing locally when a lot of these other companies aren't and they're just here to hoover up subscriptions. I mean, we are seeing at the moment. I mean, this week we had Telcom release its financial results, which uh, were also not very good. Uh, yesterday I wrote about Spa, which seemed odd at first, but they blamed a whole bunch of stuff on load shedding. Um, mm. Also, they pointed to the fact that South African consumers weren't spending as much anymore because yeah. of, of load shedding. And what that said to me was that if you look at like SPA's average price term, um, I linked to an outlier graph for June. Um, but SPA is a premium brand, really, or premium store yeah. in terms of like comparison to something like Pick and Pay or Checkers. Um, and then if you look at something as well, like multi-choices products, which are luxury products, you start to see the South Africans really are just cutting cutting back on luxury purchases, which makes yeah. sense given what's going on. Like as the same as multi-choice saying that there's interest rate hikes, there's the cost of living is going up. So it would make sense for South Africans to be cutting the fat, as it were. Yeah. And uh, yeah, unfortunately, luxury brands are the first to, to go in that in that instance. Yeah, and I'll pass back to you, Lou. I just want to add one more thing. Um, I don't really know anyone in their twenties or thirties that pays for DSTV. It's just so expensive, and even if there is stuff on there that you want to watch, you either just go without, or because it's so expensive, or you just subscribe somewhere else. I mean, my parents um have always had DSTV in the house. They 
they prefer watching stuff on the TV with a remote control instead of, you know, a laptop or a phone or whatever. And, you know, more power to them. I know a lot of people are like that. Um, but they pay more than a thousand rand per month for DSTV um, premium. I don't know the exact package. I think it's just called DSTV premium. And that's insane to me. Mm. I pay, I think, 900 rand for my decently fast internet connection. <laughs> and that, that is like my entire job. That is like all my entertainment. Mm. That is an internet connection is like, it, it's everything in modern life. And I'm paying less per month than just DSTV. Um, so that's when you think about it like that, it kind of puts into perspective just how expensive it is and how much of a luxury it is. Well, they, DSTV, I think they are aware of this, or MultiChoice rather is aware of this, that um, they're losing kind of the youth. So they're they're doing a bunch of stuff to kind of offset this. Um, I know they're, they're like apart from programming because they they have lots of local programming that targets younger people, but they've been uh, and they mentioned in the financials they've been uh, doing a lot more. I forgot the, the 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 wording that they use, but basically a lot more benefits to kind of offset this cost. That because yeah. they know that uh, you know you can just get uh, Netflix or something like that for much cheaper. So they they're doing that, and it seemed to have been working. Uh, I guess a year ago. I mean, in 2022, the that financial year, they made 2.8 billion in profit, mm. and it was completely offset this year. Like they lost all of that. Yeah, it just yeah. went. Whew. So. Yeah, something's happening to to DSTV uh, and sorry to multi choice, um, and I guess we'll have to see next year if uh, if the load shedding and all the the kind of the economic downturn continues if they'll uh, if they'll post profits or and it'll be another loss. Yeah, feels like a lot of the times when we talk about these results, we say, well, we'll have to see next year, and you know, to our benefit, at least when next year comes around, we have another like data point to look at. But yeah, it will be interesting to see what happens next year. Um, you know, not to jinx things, but over the past month or so, load shedding has actually been greatly reduced. Oh, and there we go. I'm stage so, I six. have stage Brendan, six now. I have to, Brendan, I have to. It's good reporting to mention all the facts, man. Uh, I'm actually, so, I'm so actually we'll anxious see. about that. We'll see. I know. I'm sorry. Um, <laughs> but yeah, that's very interesting. Um, like with all the stories we're going to talk to, about today, links are in the description in the story you're reading right now. And you can go check out the full results and Louis' coverage of that. But now we're going to get to another problem with money. Uh, Brendan, what is going on with Reddit? Why are all my favorites uh, of Reddit in private right now? Okay, so on Monday, a uh, number of Reddit communities, subreddits, uh, announced that they would be switching to private mode or going dark, as it were. Um uh, in protest of changes that Reddit was making to API access. So back in April, Reddit announced that it would start charging for API access um, in a move that a couple of companies have also announced, including Twitter. Um, the exact fee for accessing that API was an unknown quantity. But in recent months, uh, the creator and operator of uh, the iOS Reddit app Apollo, Christian Selig, uh, he revealed that according to the, the documentation he had seen, it would cost him roughly $20 million a year to access Reddit's API and keep Apollo running. Um he wrote uh, on a Reddit thread in May, uh, I'll cut to the chase, 50 million requests cost $12,000 
a far figure, uh, figure far more than I ever could have imagined. Apollo made 7 billion requests last month, which would put it at around $1.7 million per month or $20 million US dollars per year. Even if I only kept subscription users, the average Apollo user uses 344 requests per day, which would cost $2.50 per month, which is over double what the subscription currently costs, so I'd be in the red every month. So if you don't know what I'm talking about there, in order to access the API, that takes a call, and every time there's a call, that would cost you, according to Reddit's pricing. Um, this whole setup has forced a number of third-party Reddit applications, including Sync, Red Plants, and Reddit is fun, as as well as Apollo, which I mentioned earlier, to announce that they're shutting, uh, shutting up shop at the end of June. Um, this uh, has now led to a number of communities kind of rallying behind developers of these applications and saying that they would switch to private mode for 48 hours. Uh, that's how it started. And mm. by midday on Tuesday, there were around 8,000 subreddits that had gone private. Um, yes. And that, that's a lot of subreddits. And that included like some massive ones like r slash music, r slash science, um, r slash gaming. And like I think the most important one, r slash Taylor Swift. Uh, was oh, man. Um, so where are they going to talk about Matt Healy, man? Uh, yeah, no, goodness, let's not talk about Matt Healy. Uh, <laughs> we'll be here all day. Um, but yeah, so there was a live track on Twitch that was tracking uh subreddits that was pledging their support, and it seemed to be going quite well for the communities. It was a kind of stand against Reddit saying we don't like this, um, and we're going to make a bit of noise. Uh, so instead of just letting the protest, uh, reach its end, uh, Reddit CEO Steve Huffman on uh, Wednesday decided to hit the beehive with a baseball bat. Um, in a memo sent to uh, uh, Reddit, Reddit uh, employees, uh, he said, there's a lot of noise with this one. Among the noises we've seen, please know that our teams are on it. And like all blowups on Reddit, this one will pass as well. He also added, we have not seen any significant revenue impact so far, and we will continue to monitor. Um, so this did not have a very good effect, because once this statement was out in the open, um, an, a subreddit called ModCoord, which has sort of acted like a home base for moderators um, during the protest, uh, a post went up there calling for harsher action from communities, essentially just going private indefinitely. Um, yeah. So far, or at the time of writing yesterday, 300 subreddits, including r slash r with 34.1 uh, million members, r slash music with 32.2 million members, r slash videos with 26.6 million members, and r slash futurology with 18.7 million members had said that they are going private indefinitely. Um, in support of the protest. Now, these are big communities, and mm. some of these are the reason people go to Reddit. Yeah, um, 100%. And even if they're not the reason you go to Reddit, a lot of the content, that's, or content that is posted there is the reason that you will stay on Reddit. Because you're yeah. kind of seeing something that's familiar, you're seeing something cute, then you get trapped in a, a deluge of cute puppy videos, and yeah, <laughs> it just goes. And to the best of us. So, exactly. So Brendan, one thing I don't understand yeah. about all this is how it affects the average Reddit user. And I, I know the API will affect companies that, that need it for research, right? Obviously, the costs are yeah, enormous so and exorbitant. But how does it affect, like, me on Reddit? You know, okay, why so, are... Yeah. 
Okay, so Reddit's mobile applications are infamously kind of rubbish. Okay, um, so, sorry, Brendan. Let, yes. let me just let me just step in here quickly. I I have to go back a few years now. So, okay. some people might be saying, "Why does Apollo exist? Why does Reddit have so many third-party ways to access the app?" So well, it's because it didn't have an, a mobile yes, app, right? Yes, yes. So for the longest time, Reddit was a desktop-only site. You have to understand, Reddit has been along around before the smartphone revolution, and it has always existed as a desktop website. So it never it did have a way to access it on your phone or on your tablet or whatever, but it wasn't native. And a few years ago they did a big Reddit um redesign on desktop, which everyone hates because it's awful. Mm-hmm. And they also made an app which everyone hates because it's awful. And I'm saying that based on community feedback and the fact that I've used these and they they are some of the worst designed anything I have ever used. Yeah. So to answer the question of why these apps are so important and why they existed in the first place, it's because Reddit is so old and so popular that they are they were required. They were the only way people interfaced with Reddit for the longest time. So, sorry to cut you off there, Brendan. No, it's no. just like Reddit has been around for such a long time and you kind of have to have like years of experience to yeah. understand why these things are so important. So, yeah, like Linson mentions, right? So, these apps, so Apollo, Reddit is fun, Sync, all of them, they, they exist because there was nothing. And even now, the, the, the apps that do exist for Reddit, the official apps, are really, really bad. I was using it the other day just for, like, to check it out um, because I, I kind of have a love-hate relationship with the Reddit mobile app. Um, I'll use it when I'm, like, away from my desk for a while, uh, but then I'll delete it as soon as I'm at my desk for any length of time. But uh, I was using it the other day, and I, I somehow managed to block somebody that I had been chatting with for like a couple of years. At this point, like somebody I met on a Dota subreddit years ago, um, and we have just like maintained contact. But I mean, I just blocked them, and I don't know how to undo it, hmm. but the, just because I fumbled the mobile app. Um, yeah, it's just it's it's just a bad experience. And because the experience is so bad, these these apps came about and they access the API because they're not actually just doing a mask of Reddit. They're actually right. accessing Reddit's application programming interface so that you have the best experience possible. So um, essentially what the community is demanding, they ask, they're demanding that the, lo- the price of the API be lowered. Um, to a level that doesn't kill third-party apps. Uh, also, that they need to communicate on a more open and timely basis about changes to Reddit, um, and then to allow mods to continue or to continue keeping Reddit safe for all users, not safe for work. Subreddit data must remain available through the API. So essentially, what Reddit wants to do is not allow you to access not safe for work content uh, content through its API. Which I don't know how this would keep folks safe. I guess it could be so that if people wanted to, uh, so that if you were using an app such as Apollo, um, you didn't accidentally stumble across some non-safe, uh, not safe for work content. Uh, anyway, so one of the things that uh, a lot of the or mods have have highlighted is that some communities won't be able to participate in an indefinite blackout. Like mm. some communities, like R slash Stop Drinking, can be like real helpful for people. Things like R slash yeah. Personal Finance. If you're having problems with money, there's lots of people you can talk to there that can give you some actually really good advice. Um, like Reddit is a, you can find a lot of trolls, but you can find a lot of good stuff on there as well. I Um, think despite Reddit's like increasingly bad reputation over the years, some of it is earned, some of it isn't earned. I think more so than any other website on the internet, 
it's more than just social media. It is actually communities. And again, over the years, that sense of camaraderie and everything like that has kind of been eroded by like mm. um, power users who manage multiple subreddits and admins who aren't very good at their jobs and stuff like that. But I still think of everywhere on the internet, it's the most that is still closely related to the old school internet communities. And it's feeling more and more like that kind of website can't exist. And mm. with everything that's happened, that sentiment is kind of being proved right. So, yeah, so that's the gist of what's happening with the um, the protest. So the communities that can't go offline that are kind of seen as important and like resources that actually help people, mm. they recommended to do something like a one-day blackout or encourage people to not post on a certain day. Uh, one of the moderators said touch grass Tuesdays, which I chuckled at. Um, <laughs> yeah, that's a good one. Uh, but yeah, so essentially what folks are asking for is for Reddit to not act like this really greedy company that um, – well, I mean, I suppose it is. But also Steve Huffman has said that Reddit is going to be profit-motivated until it turns a profit, um, mm. which yeah. I, I get. That makes sense. As a company, you want to turn up, you don't want to be operating at a loss. Uh, but the problem then becomes is when is enough enough? Because Silicon Valley firms have this mentality of constantly chasing profits. Everything must be a profit. Everything must be better mm. than the loss. And that just doesn't work. It's not very... It, like it's it's not sustainable growth. Like you should have a growth level where you reach and you say, right, this is where we are. This is good. Anything mm. from here out is a bonus. If we lose stuff, maybe we should just maintain, but that's never going to be the case yeah. because I mean, folks like Mark Zuckerberg and Elon Musk think that because there are 11 billion people in the world, they can have 11 billion users. And that's mm. just yeah. not, that's not work. It's not viable. So, so something that a few people have said at this point is that, Reddit may be too big to succeed, not too big to fail. It may be too big to succeed because the thing with Silicon Valley is that a lot of these companies and websites were designed with the sentimentality of let's grow as fast as we can and we'll figure out how to make money later. Mm -hmm. And Reddit has been around for so long as, you know, not, I don't know what their finances are, maybe not as profitable or not profitable as all, but they've become so big that maybe at this point it cannot be salvaged into a profitable company or it cannot be as profitable as the investors want. And people have said, you know, now, you know, we've effed around with Reddit for decades. Now we're in the find out phase. Mm. Maybe the prices are so high because they did the calculations and say, oh, we got, you know, billions of users, thousands of subreddits, you know, so much images and video and everything. Keep the servers on and the lights yeah. on. We have to charge this much. I'm sure yeah. that's not the case. I'm sure they are well, no, very I, high to make money. I think uh, you're you're right there in a sense because I mean, if you kind of tracking what happened to Reddit, why they decided to do the API changes, mm. um, it's kind of on the back of the the global economic downturn that's been affecting the entire tech industry. I mean, earlier in this month, they let go of uh, about five percent of the, of its staff. Yeah. They're also um, planning an IPO. Uh, rumoredly, Ugh. allegedly, they are planning an IPO. So that's also another reason they might be doing so, this. So they're, they might be hemorrhaging money. The yeah. Huffman had to fire people. Um, they're, they're looking to, you know, turn it around. Because otherwise, I think, th honestly, I think, like, Clinton might be more right than he thinks he is. I think it yeah. could be... Uh, like they're, they're, yeah, they're, no, they're, they're seeing the, the doom. They're seeing the doom approach. And Huffman is now just like, oh, oh, damn! I need to, you know, get get going. Otherwise, Reddit is gonna collapse. Mm -hmm. 
Yeah. Yep. So um, I don't know what's going to happen here. Uh, I I don't know if a protest is going to make any impact to Reddit. Uh, maybe the advertising, but I mean, given who uses Reddit, if you're not using an ad blocker, are you really even using Reddit? Yeah. Um, but yeah, we'll have to just see how this pans out over the next couple of weeks. Um, but at the end of the day, Reddit is a company that needs to make money, and uh, yeah. it's going to pursue that goal forever. One last thing I want to mention before we move on to the last news story this week is that people um, maybe discount Reddit uh, in terms of its place as um, just somewhere to find help. And I don't, like Brendan said, yes, in terms of like our finance or like addiction or whatever, but yeah. if you have like a weird problem with your PC and you search help, you're usually going to get a Reddit link because Reddit, is, again, mm, it's one of the true. last unique places on the internet where people are actually interacting with people. Mm. Yeah. And you're going to get someone saying, oh, you know, I had this problem before, do X, Y, and Z, and you think, oh, thank you so much, it actually helped me. Mm. That, that just doesn't happen on the modern internet anymore. No, All the d- forums and the help stuff and everything is just, it's filled with bots or it's filled with like um, employees of the company <laughs> who you have a problem. Like yeah. I had a problem with LG Hub. And I posted on the LGQ or whatever it's called. Uh, um, anyway, that awful program. And I posted on that subreddit that is only like answered by LG employees and then none of them could help me. So, sorry, not LG, Logitech. So, uh, people, a lot of times people, when they have a problem, they'll type that problem into Google and they'll write it in reddit.com because they only want results from Reddit because yeah. it's the only reliable place to get good information anymore. Yeah, right, Clinton. You got some yes. uh, Ezra Miller news for us. <laughs> oh, oh here we about go. The Flash. So, <laughs> a Flash movie in some capacity has been in the works since the eighties, and now it's finally here. This Friday, sixteenth June, The Flash is in cinemas. It is a real movie you can really watch. What a concept! So, I won't be spoiling any of it, and I won't get too deep into my review. I'm just going to say, go read my spoiler-free review. But I just want to discuss it quickly, let you guys know my overall thoughts, and if I thought it was worth the wait. Because even if you don't count the stuff that happened before, you know, even before Ezra Miller was cast, it's still been like more than a decade. We had, uh, I think, four seasons of the Flash TV show um, between the announcement of the Flash movie and its release. And a lot of messy stuff has happened besides what happened with Ezra Miller. I mean, it then kind of became a Batman movie, and it's also kind of the Superman slash Supergirl movie, and it adapts some points of Flashpoint, which is like one of the most beloved comic book stories of all time. It's just a mess. So Mm. when I went to go sit down and see it, I was looking forward to seeing it as a comic book movie fan. I was also looking forward to seeing it as as a fan of good messes of train wreck. So... Uh, the what's funny about everything I've mentioned and what's also funny about the fact is that people are looking at this movie as a reset for the DC universe now that James Gunn is kind of overseeing everything. So outside, everything outside of this movie comes down to sitting down and seeing it. And you know what? None of that matters. It's just like a 5 out of 10 comic book Damn, movie. Man. It is so funny. All this outside influence, is it going to be the best movie of all time? Is it going to be the worst movie of all time? Is it going to reset the DC universe? Uh, no to all of that. It's just a fine, fine movie that involves the Flash and like some time travel. Uh, That's it. Uh, so, I, I remember. Is, yes. Sorry, Clinton. I, I remember no, um, we were, I don't know uh, how long ago it was, but we were chatting um, on, on, on a podcast about 
you know what we are we're hoping for for the flash movie and what what could be so cool about it and yeah yeah when i when i read your review i was just like ah oh, you know yeah. just so it's deflating. just a nothing yeah it's just like a nothing movie it's it it's it has some fun moments it has some you know surprisingly decent writing i think um a lot of people even before like all the alleged crimes a lot of people really disliked Ezra Miller as the flash and that wasn't because of them as an actor or an, uh, whatever title they want to use a performer it was because of terrible writing they wrote the flash or Barry Allen to be an annoying character damn and the performer behind behind that character delivered an annoying character so it was i think like the best part of the movie is that they kind of redeem this version of the flash into a good character which is amazing that's like hats off to the writers for doing that but the problem is all the good stuff went to barry allen and yes he is a lot in the movie um but he's his character the barry allen is like the only good point of it and what's even funny about all of this is that there's two barry allens in this movie and the second one is even more annoying. <laughs> okay, but I have to ask, is he more yes, annoying goodness. is he more annoying than Barry Allen in the CW version of the Flash? Uh yes. What? Yes. Uh, this this version, <laughs> the younger Barry Allen, so this is in the trailers, this is in the spoiler. Yeah, yeah. Um current day Barry Allen, DCU, Barry Allen the Flash goes back in time to see a young version of themselves. And it's supposed to be like a really irritating 19-year-old college student, which I understand, but they are so irritating. They are even worse than the other versions of The Flash in the other DC movies. Ugh. I cannot understand why they made them <laughs> so annoying, but they did, unfortunately. Yeah, man, it's just, it's just so disappointing to hear about this because... I remember that uh, we were like we th we were theory crafting, yeah, yeah, and, yeah. We were, and we were expecting you know this to be like. Uh, and I know you write it in your in the review. You're like, oh, will this be like the big shift in the DC universe, the James Gunniverse? You know, is this like yeah. the big moment? And nope. uh, and none of that happens, and it's <laughs> just, just like, uh, yeah, like halfway through the squandered. movie, halfway through the movie, I was like, okay, they still they haven't done anything that the audience wants of this movie. They haven't done anything, but there's still time. There's still like an hour and a bit left. Do you? And then it got to the final part, and I was just like, no, nah, they didn't do anything. Sorry, go, yeah, Louis. Yeah, I was just gonna say, do you think that what you're saying right now that they didn't do anything the audience wanted is it because the movie was in in production hell for so long? They had a script, a script a million years ago, but they had a script, and they were just like, <laughs> we're gonna make this movie. Yeah, forget, I forget about what people want nowadays. Yes, I think that was the problem. I think so much of the movie was set in some kind of stone before James Gunn came in, before mm. it was announced the DCEU would be rebooted, before all of that, that the project was just too far along. But like I said, the, the, the movie is so decent and will probably make a decent chunk of change that it was just too far along to substantially change and they just put it out there to recoup some money. And it, it, something I also want to mention is that there might be some tiny differences. I was told and it mentioned at the front of the preview screening that the version we would see was not the final product. But I, I'm almost 100% convinced that what I saw will be 99% the same and that 1% won't change it, especially in the visuals department. This movie just looks bad. There's no way around it. I mean, you've seen the trailers. People have been like, looks like a, like a PS3 or PS4 mm. cutscene. And that's the whole movie. I'm kind of shocked with how bad a lot of it looks. 
um i think i mentioned it in you know some marvel movie reviews i was like oh this you know a few scenes the the cgi looks like stretchy and the humans don't look humany <laughs> um <laughs> but for this movie it's the whole movie it looks that bad um there's a scene in the beginning involving a baby the baby is so terrifying. It's one of the most, and it's not like a horror scene. It's just a regular, supposedly human baby that looks terrifying. So I'm shocked by how bad the CGI is. I'm sure that was affected by the development hell and everything. But for the millions of dollars this movie costs, you don't see it on screen sometimes. Mm -hmm. Again, I mentioned this in the review. There's a big practical set for the Michael Keaton Batcave that looks amazing. And maybe I'll be you know corrected on this but i think a lot of that set was real it looks real um if it was all cgi then i'll say you know hats off you made that look like a real set um so there are parts that the money and the effort went into you know they put money into the Batcave, they put effort into writing this version of barry allen and then the rest of it was just like oh whatever um so yeah it's it's very clear that there was a lot of trouble development it's very clear that this isn't the movie that a lot of people want and i think that when it releases this Friday, you're going to see a lot of people saying that was better than I thought it was going to be. And you're also going to see a lot of people saying, you know, what the hell, where was all the stuff that I had expected to see? And that's half the movie's fault and half the public just putting expectations onto this movie. So yeah, I won't waffle on a much more about it. Uh, Brendan, you have any, do you care about any of this? I mean, I love the flash. I've always yeah. loved the flash as a character. Um, <laughs> Like, even I, I watched the CW series. I'm not going to uh, say I enjoyed it. Guy. I did not enjoy it. Because, did you watch it all? Yeah, I've watched it all. Why? Because Why? I love The Flash, dude. <laughs> but, like, after Cannon. the two seasons, you did it just like a bail. <laughs> no, because, okay, there were some, there were some like, there were some cool seasons. Like, um, okay. uh, the season with Savitar. Um, uh, there was another one that was pretty cool. No, I'm thinking of the Arrow now. There was one yeah. good season of the Flash. There, uh, there, was, there was one good thing there. Um, but, like, I've always loved The Flash. And, I, like like we said, I had high hopes for this movie going in. And uh, I thought that they would hopefully utilize the Flashpoints, like, thing a little bit more. Um, and I know that they did the Flashpoint sort of storyline in the CW series. Yeah, I mean, wasn't Ezra Miller in the Flash show at some point uh, as yeah, well? Yeah, he does as make part a... of Flashpoint. Yes, yes. <laughs> so, well, no, not part is Flash of Flashpoint because the the CW series did it years ago, like oh, really? many, okay. many years ago. Um, it was kind of like a reboot, I think, after the second season. Yeah, the mm. third season they did a, a kind of we're doing Flashpoint. Yeah. Um, and that kind of, what was really cool about that is that it rippled throughout the other shows. So, like, there were changes in The Flash. There were changes in Legends of Tomorrow. There uh, I said The Flash. I mean Arrow. So, I mean, like, they did at least think this stuff through. And they leveraged that story point quite well. And they used they, – they referenced back to it a number of times for, like, at least two seasons after that about yeah. how Flashpoint had impacted the timeline and how it had caused ripple effects throughout the multiverse or whatever they want to call it. So, I mean, it's – like, I just kind of hope that the DC cinematic universe would now get a bit of – get a bit of that love but i i guess not i guess we're just sorry. gonna get the same sorry dude i think batmans and yep. supermans that we always have i think we're just gonna have to keep waiting for whatever the first movie in the james Gunn dc eu is and hopefully they say okay it's not called the dc eu we call it the dcu or whatever um yeah we'll have to just wait for that this is not the movie that i think most people wanted to see 
it's a deeply troubled movie, but at the end of the day, like I said, it's just like an okayish movie that it was supposed to be this big shakeup for movies and DC movies, and it's just like a nothing movie. So that's unfortunate. I still think there's some good parts, and I still think you should maybe check it out once it's on streaming. I don't think this is one of the movies where you're going to get a lesser experience by seeing it at home, because again, the visuals are quite poor. So I think watching it on your phone is just fine. Um, but we're going to pivot now. We're going to go to our main topic, and that is E3, or should I say not E3? I saw so, a couple of people calling it Key 3. Uh, that's that's cute. I, I like Keely's not E3. Fest. Yeah, not E3 is good. So what the hell are we talking about? A few months ago, they announced E3 is dead. It is not just cancelled. It is cancelled. Uh, sorry, it's not just cancelled for this year. It's It's gone. It's not coming back unless something... It's dead bad. and buried. So... That kind of leaves a big hole in the announcement and hype cycle every year. Where does it though? Does it? Because yes. everybody's just doing it anyway. I mean, just, even when yeah, it it happen. Anyway. I mean, that's what I was going to ask. What do you guys think of E3 dying? And I think from the big announcement there, you guys are just saying, oh, whatever. Yeah, I mean, like, <laughs> so the thing is, is since, since the pandemic, we've seen yes. that all these companies were hosting their own presentations. And it was almost like a switch went on in their heads where they were like, oh, we don't actually need to go to Los Los Angeles and set up a hugely a expensive set and have mm. a booth and employ people when we could just do it here. Yeah. And hire a soundstage and do it there. Especially as most of the interest is generated online anyway. Yeah. You know? And that's where the conversation happens. And like, I think we saw this. I'm sorry, I'm jumping ahead here, but we no, saw no, no, that there were, some, there were some more, small presentations that were happening, like in terms of Microsoft and Bethesda with uh, Starfield. But, I mean, those were relatively small crowds for what E3 generally is. Um, yeah. Even the Ubisoft presentation was kind of small. And like like Louis said, most of the hype happens online nowadays anyway. So just do it there. And then, mm. you know, the memes will eventually just make themselves. <laughs> the memes will make themselves. So uh, I, I know none of us here have actually been to E3, have we? No. I haven't. I mean, I'm asking. It's like I'm asking myself a question. Louis, yeah. have you been? Uh, no, but I have definitely looked at pictures of an <laughs> E3 event. So, so I think a big problem with E3 as well is that for the longest time, it was an industry-only event. Yeah. So mm. regular people just looked at it as like, why should I care about this like gated community mm. that I can only interface with online? And like mm. you said... If it's going to be online anyway, why do I care about this big physical show when it could have just been like a web show? So yeah, I definitely agree with you guys where when E3 was announced, I kind of felt, I don't know, a little bit of a pang of sadness because it's just a part of yeah, gaming. So it's an, it's a nostalgia thing. Yeah. yeah. But on the other side of things, like Louis said, this isn't going to impact my life at all. So I'm a bit sad, but I really shouldn't be. Um, <laughs> so in the wake of all of this, a lot of individual shows have either continued from previous years or popped up on their own to fill that gap of announcing games or showing off new trailers and stuff like that. And because they all happened in the last two weeks or so, a lot of people have grouped them into the banner of not E3. So we're not going to cover everything that happened. What we've done is everybody in the call here has picked their favorite or the game they're most looking forward to. And we're going to talk about that today. And we're going to start with you, Louis. What is happening with Cyberpunk? Okay, quite a bit actually, um, which is quite exciting. <laughs> so much. Uh, heading back into Night City. So, of course, we all know here the um, the troubled launch of Cyberpunk, very storied. 
Um, if the game that launched was good, but what everything everyone was expecting was, you know, something, you know, industry changing, something different, something, you know, amazing. Um, that's not what we got. We got a great RPG. We wanted something transcendent. Um, and uh, I think that's a lot of pressure for CD Projekt, the developers of Cyberpunk 2077. Um, but they obviously they heard all the complaints, the millions of whinging and the, you know, the years upon years of internet uh, complaining. And they've been, they've, uh, instead of really, you know, they they issued an apology. Um, and then after that, they put several their head laughing. down. Several apologies. And then they put their head down and they, they worked. So at uh, Jeff Keighley's Summer Game Fest, um, Cyberpunk got a new trailer for its Phantom Liberty expansion, showing off Idris Elba as one of the main characters and the new area called Dogtown. Um, and uh, it looked from from what we could see from the trailer, it looks you know it looks like more cyberpunk. It looks like more story missions. It looks cool. It looks great. You know more cyberpunk. So if you wanted more cyberpunk, this is what you will get. <laughs> but then, I think a, f- a week after Summer Games Fest, a lot of uh, media began talking to uh, the CD Projekt developers. And then it came out actually that uh, Phantom Liberty will be more than just a DLC expansion. So um, CD Projekt have been working really hard to revamp the entire game from the top to the bottom ahead of, of the expansion so that they can really capitalize on kind of capturing all the last players, I think. This is what I'm thinking. So there's a whole bunch of things that are going to come to Cyberpunk. And I'm, this is just to name a few. They've... CD Projekt have completely redone perks and skills, completely rebuilt enemy and friendly AI. There's a new cyberware system uh, with a new armor system as well. Uh, Apparently, the clothes now uh, won't give you armor, but you can now upgrade your cyberware to give you armor. Um, But then additionally, there will be armor, like body armor and stuff that will give you armor in the game. Um, There's new vehicle combat. Apparently, you can now use your katana from from the bike, from the motorbike. What? Uh, they've revamped the police system. Uh, you played the, the, the original Cyberpunk. Um, when you did crimes, the police would uh, blip into existence right next to you. Like, yeah, oh, stop right there. But now, apparently, they've done it so it's more realistic. Uh, the police will chase you for a while. The more crimes you do, the greater the police like uh, force will be. Um, apparently, like uh, Max Tack may, may even show up in a giant hovercraft to come and shoot you and stuff like that. So that's exciting. Um They've uh, there's a new relic skill tree uh, that's that you'll be doing by exploring the new area in the the new expansion. Um, they've re- remade the way that you buy vehicles. Oh. Now you'll be doing it on the website instead of through the the fixer characters. Um, there's also like uh, the gang AI and the gang the way the gangs exist in Night City. So you know the Tiger Eyes and and all the and the Maelstrom and all the gangs. Now apparently now there'll be a lot of more infighting between the gangs. Um, and like uh, radiant storytelling in terms of the gangs will event like you'll you'll kind of stumble through a street and actually oh there's Maelstrom and another gang fighting and they'll be chasing each other with their cars and stuff. Um, you can now hack cars to steal them. Um, they've redone the loot system and the difficulty. There's more enemies and uh, apparently one developer at CD Projekt even said that they wish that this was the version of the game that they shipped at launch. So it looks like at long last. Three years after Cyberpunk came out, they finished the game. 
Okay, can yeah, I? Yeah, I was just about to say it's. Uh, it's. I'm happy to see that uh, Cyberpunk is exiting its years long oh, of early access. Early yeah. access. Finally. Can I ask you guys a very important question? Do you actually believe all of that? Yeah, I do. I mean, <laughs> they have been working to fix the game since it launched, right? And yes. I mean, uh, DLC like this gives a good excuse to go and redo everything. Um, especially since a lot of people will probably go play through the game again before they mm. play the new yeah. DLC. Depending that, on what they plan. play it, obviously. Yeah, same here. Um, so it, I think it's a good idea to do this and kind of just overhaul the systems because mm. there were so many things. Like the, when Louis mentioned there's a whole new Reddick like, skill tree. Skill tree, yes. I mean, that's been in the game since launch. And mm. I thought that it was like something that you'd unlock Post campaign, right? And um, it just sits there. It just sits there, taking up yeah. a space. And you're like, "What mm. is this? Let mm -hmm. me access and also, it." Wasn't there a part in the UI of the menu that was just empty? Yeah, I'm that's sure, it. That's yeah. the one. That's the oh, one. Is that's that's it. The oh, relic. Okay, sorry. That's the relic. I um, played at launch, and I haven't even looked at it since mm, then. So maybe my memory is not. Great. So uh, uh, talking about that, sorry, just to to add the about Clinton playing at launch. Yeah. Um, another thing that's quite important is that they're completely dropping. Um, support for not next generation consoles so um so ps4 will not be given the support for the new update oh. they're, they're they're focusing directly to ps5 and pc and the xbox series s and x uh, oh. versions of the game which they so, probably should have done with the base version of the yeah, game if we're so the, P the ps4 version they wanted to make money. They wanted to make money. Um, I actually played the PS4 version before I switched to uh, PC. It is. Yeah. Uh, it was probably the worst. Uh, the worst AAA gaming experience yeah. ever. It yeah. was. Terrible. I think, if if I'm not mistaken, sorry, Brendan, mm. our editor in chief, Robin Chetty, yeah. bought the game say. with his own money on launch for PS4, and I've never seen him more angry. Like, Same man. Yeah, yeah. he's. He, he can get angry at a few things that happen in the industry, but I've never seen him also so like sad about it too. Like I've never seen him so sad. At, and games are games are more expensive now, but they were still expensive back then. And to like buy it with your own money and to get the PS4 version, ugh. And a lot of people had that experience. I mean, you can't just release a game on a platform and be like, oh, sorry, you know, <laughs> whoops, <laughs> our bad. Yeah. Really bad. But, uh, but yeah, so um, Cyberpunk 2077 Phantom Liberty uh, will be launching on the 26th of September 2023. It's around the corner. Um, it's around the corner. Apparently, a lot of these updates will hit uh, the game beforehand for free uh, as a big, major, gigantic, huge patch, which okay. will probably be like 40 gigabytes, 50 gigabytes. So uh, prepare your... Your your SSD. storage for that, yeah, huh. yeah, it's gonna be a big, a big, a big chunky one. Um, but yeah, I'm uh, I'm officially uh, excited to go back to Night City. Mm -hmm. Um, I think I hope that it'll be a lot of times when when developers say, "Oh no, we've we revamped this, we've done this," and you actually get into the game and it feels exactly the same because the changes aren't as as big as you know as the marketing or the the press release actually makes them out to be you know the 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 second to second gameplay is is kind of the same so i hope yeah. it'll be different in a way um and i hope uh, the game runs better number one i know yeah. they've been patching it for a long time uh, uh but yeah i'm excited to give it another go and uh hopefully phantom liberty will be will live up to the expectations this time
Well, can I say for myself, uh, I don't believe their lies, and that perfectly segues <laughs> into Starfield because I do not Ooh. believe Todd Howard. Do not trust Ooh, him. Do not yeah. trust Mr. Howard. Brendan, what's <laughs> happening with Starfield? Uh, so, yeah, from the makers of the worst game I have ever played in Fallout 76 <laughs> comes Starfield. Uh, we had roughly over 40 minutes of the game shown to us at the weekend. Uh, and yeah, so essentially the story is this. You are a part of a group of pioneers known as Constellation, and you are tracking down an alien MacGuffin. And essentially that just serves as the basis for the game. Go and explore the 1,000 plus planets out in the Starfield universe. Um the game is very much, or it looks very much like um, No Man's Sky, if you've played mm. that, uh, where you collect resources, you explore alien planets with alien um, uh, alien life and alien plant life. Uh, and then you also have a, another section of the game where there's like a whole RPG with uh, pre-recorded voice lines and predetermined quest lines for you to take up, uh, much like you would expect with uh, any other Bethesda game. Um, it's got a new lick of paint. The combat looks better. Um, when I say better, I mean better than every other uh, Bethesda game from their studio in the last mm -hmm. couple of years. Um, and yeah, it looks like a really great space toy box, but it also looks too great. Um, <laughs> so, I mean, there's a couple of things that kind of like showcase that Bethesda jank that we might all be aware of. So if you look at um, like the faces of some of the, uh, the models, yeah. uh, I get that, that, that nostalgic uh, Bethesda look. Um, some of the weapons also, some of the environments and textures that are used, I feel like if you just put a bit more like rust on them or a bit more brown, they wouldn't look out of place in Fallout. Um, but yeah, there seems to be a deep level of customization for both your ship um, and your crew as well as your character. Um, but yeah, it's a space RPG uh, and that kind of gives me a bit of caution uh, because space games are very, very hard to get right. Uh, yeah. I So I have actually played uh, Star Citizen, uh, the great oh, vaporware the great of a game. The scheme. <laughs> the, yeah. I mean, I'm not saying that. I'm not getting sued by RSI. Uh, but so if you don't know what Star Citizen is, it's a game uh, from Chris Roberts who uh, developed the original Freelancer game from the 90s, if you remember that. Um, and uh, was it the eighties or the nineties? Never mind. That's not important. Uh, he created, he's created a new space exploration game called star citizen, um, which is kind of locked in development hell. You can buy access to the game and you can buy ships, but it's by no means a finished and complete game experience. After um, like what? 15 decade, years of development? A decade. So it's launched in 2013. So it's been a decade now. Then oh, okay. Or okay. The, or the Kickstarter launched in 2013. It's still technically not finished. Yeah. So, so, I mean, so when I say that, it gives me that sort of sense of exploration and scale um, where you need to use a grab drive uh, to jump very far distances into space. You need to manage your fuel. Um, you can go and mine resources. You can basically do whatever you want in Star mm. Citizen, and Starfield looks to give you that same sort of freedom. Um, yeah. So yeah, there's like I mentioned, there are both there's uh, procedurally generated planets, and then there are pre-generated planets with um, quest lines and storylines to to take 
uh, to take on. Um, and it looks very big. It looks basically like while I was watching the presentation, I, I had this thought where it was like, oh, this feels like Fallout 3 again. But instead of like different settlements that you visit, you're visiting different planets. Mm. And it looks like they've just kind of taken that approach to it. And then within each planet, there's like a different city where you'll have smaller quests to go. So the scale is bigger. Um, but yeah, it just, it looks amazing and for but there's the game to look this good i have to have a bit of suspicion about how this is going to run um we got a bit of insight in that regard so minimum specs for pc uh call for an amd ryzen 5 2600x uh an intel core i7 7800k 16 gigabytes of ram uh an amd rx 5700 or an nvidia geforce sorry, sorry brendan these are the that's like I wouldn't you I, I wouldn't look at those. I generally look at recommended requirements and those yeah. are a lot more beefy. So that demands an AMD Ryzen 5 3600X or uh 10th gen Intel i5, 16 gigs of RAM for graphics, uh RX 6800 XT or an RTX 2080. Uh and then you need to have at least 125 gigs of um SSD storage. SSD okay. is required. So it doesn't look like it's too much of a demanding game, although these days you need more than eight gigs of video RAM to run anything really. Um, so I don't know. It looks really good, but mm. it how it performs on a multitude of computers is unclear. How janky it's going to be as well? Yeah, I, yeah. I don't know. But a little bit of yeah. Bethesda jank is always uh, was nice. It was yeah. good. Yeah. I just want to ask. Um, I haven't been too clued up for a while. Of the recommended GPUs, what mm. VRAM do each of those have? Uh, so I think it's around about 8 gigs. So RTX okay. 2080, I believe. Um, although, no, that's a 2080. What am I saying? I nearly said that. I only think that has like 8 gigs. No, it doesn't. Um, let's see here. Just pull up NVIDIA's um, website very quickly here. RTX 20 series. Uh, just scroll down, down, down. Oh, it doesn't read. Oh, here we go. RTX. No, I can't see. Um, okay. It's, yeah, it's, it's a bit of an old card as well. Okay. Because well so I know there's been kind of, there's been problems lately with even new graphics cards not shipping with enough VRAM. Mm. Mm. So, I mean, the specs don't seem that intensive. Like, I'm not seeing any headlines about how... You you probably won't be able to run the game. I know. Oh, uh, sorry, just jump in. The yeah. uh, RTX twenty eighty ships with eight gigs of memory. Okay. Right. So I I don't think um a lot of people will will struggle. I mean, a lot of the older machines might not be able to 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 pull it, but you never know. People will will play games on potato settings. Yeah. Um. But uh, another thing about the Bethesda with their games, because they're so huge, usually they're not so graphically intensive. Yeah. Um, um, and uh, Starfield doesn't look like it's going to win any, uh, you know, graphics or the, the best graphics of the year yeah. awards. I mean, the, like, um, the lighting looks very good. The, yeah. the system that they've created where essentially every planet emu or has, or sorry, every planet is affected by the sun compared mm -hmm. uh, in relation to its distance and the density of the, that planet's atmosphere. So, like, lighting will at least look pretty. You'll be flying through the stratosphere or whatever. Yeah. Like, oh, that's a nice sunset. And then out into the inkiness of, of Do we space. know if uh, if Bethesda is using another 
version of its dead horse Gamebryo engine. Oh, I don't oh. think so. I don't. I really uh, don't think because they said it's a, a whole new engine. Okay, all new okay. technology. Like that, this game wasn't possible without this mm. technology. It's on Creation Engine two. <laughs> so they so they built a, a new engine for the for yes. Starfield. It's so funny because I I wrote the story a few years ago now, back when uh, Fallout seventy six was re- uh, released. The creation engine was never created to have any multiplayer functionality whatsoever. Mm-hmm. So when they did Fallout seventy six, they needed to chop creation engine up so badly just to have that game run. Um, so it's funny that now we're on creation engine two. So um, if I can just kind of jump in with my own thoughts of Starfield, because I yeah. also did watch, I watched a forty-minute uh, presentation. Yeah. Um, I and I, you know, I've been playing Bethesda games since uh, Oblivion came out, and then I, I went back and I, I played um, Morrowind, and I've, I'm a big fan of, of Todd Howard's RPGs. I will admit that. Yeah. Um, especially in the in the game design, uh, and the kind of the recent ones, not so much. I know Fallout Four was disappointing for me. I didn't touch yeah. seventy six because uh, I have good, good. taste. Uh, yeah. But Terrible um, game. but I'm, uh, you know, they. Uh, if I can talk about like the RPG systems that I saw in Starfield, they are a little bit new Bethesda compared to old Bethesda mm. kind of streamlined uh, you kind of only you're only getting to choose your skills a little bit at the character creation you can only choose like traits and then you choose like a background that's kind of it um, and there's no there's no attributes to min max nothing like that uh, and then your other skills will increase um, as you kind of do them in the game so the more stealthier you are it's kind of like Skyrim yeah the stealthier you are the more stealthy you will become and you can unlock your your um little you know you go into the stars and unlock your your uh your your i forgot what they're called little uh, skill buffs little bonuses yeah. right yeah um uh, like the more you intimidate the bigger the picture of the gorilla intimidation icon will get um <laughs> And I, that's so. That's what they they've been doing recently, um, which is a little bit disappointing, but uh, I, I I guess it works for them and their enormous player base. Um, other than that, uh, a lot of the detail. One of the things that was kind of mind blowing for me. So the space combat, um, they kind of the the space travel in particular. They they've uh, based it a lot because they, uh, they they have like a system where you can change the energy. Uh, into your guns or into the ship yeah. shield and that's directly copied and pasted from a game called Elite Dangerous. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that it's exactly the same system. Um well, I think at this point there's just like there's genre norms for this kind of game right. at this point. So I mean, you know, maybe they could have done something different, but it's it's I think some some mechanics so, are expected. No, like, there's there's another thing. I, I agree with Louis on this that they, okay. they they've cribbed their notes because this I'm not whole game, <laughs> this whole game is centered around there's aliens. Let's yes. go find them aliens, and that's like them the aliens. basis of Elite Dangerous. Like mm. Elite Dangerous, the the whole thing built up to this big reveal of this alien race, which was great, and it was that's really be, well done. That's gonna be the the thing in yeah. Starfield, by the way. You know, and that's what it's space magic. Yeah. Oh, space magic. Uh, but yeah, one of the things that was really mind blowing was that you can. Um, you can board like if you if you kind of fly into space and you get attacked by like these raiders or whatever in other ships. You can board their ships. You can literally like you can blow them out of the stars uh, in like dogfighting. But you can also like board the ships and then you can go into the ships themselves and you can like shoot the crew of the ship um, oh. in first person mode and then steal the ships 
and then you kind of put them into your fold. So that's crazy. Well, you know, I can do that in FTL. Oh yeah, but so <laughs> every time not, there's a space game, I keep thinking back. It's like, ah, oh, did this in FTL, and even though that was like a pixel art top-down strategy game, I still get like so much sci-fi like fulfillment out of FTL. I think FTL is also a lot more in-depth, really crazy systems, and yeah. like you can really play that game for hours and hours and hours. You, you can play that game for hundreds of hours. Um, so I, I, I guess that every time I mention something cool from Starfield, like we, we keep saying, well, you can do this in that game yeah. or, you know, no man's sky is like this. Oh, you know, elite dangerous. Yeah. Um, so I, it's also one of the more, um, this is the most Bethesda game of all time, I think as well. Yeah. Um, Brendan mentioned, uh, Fallout 4, you know, settlement building and stuff. They mentioned that you can now make outposts on planets and stuff and you can put your followers, you know, Preston Garvey is there yeah. in the back. Uh, so that's coming so back. Your uh, help on yeah, yeah. <laughs> so we're gonna get that again. Um, this is yeah. This will be the Bethesda game of all time. Mm-hmm. Well, I'm just I, I'll play it eventually, right? I'm yeah. probably not at launch just because I'm busy and the launch versions never work right and all of that. But I'll play it eventually, and I'm just I'm waiting to see what the what the X factor is that Bethesda can provide because, like I said, this I genre of game has been around for so long. That I can every tell you time, what it is. yes. What is it? The, the X factor is the fact that this is a Bethesda game, and they have a very strong and wide modding community. And yeah. They're going to take this <laughs> well, game and turn it into whatever they yep. want. Well, I mean, I've played so many Bethesda games. I've never felt the need to mod oh, because you're missing out, I've, man. Yeah, yeah definitely. Fair enough. I understand. I am. I understand. But it, it's just the way I play games where. I'll play the game the first time as intended, usually on normal difficulty, and I'll do as much of the side quests as I can. And I feel like even for short games, once I've done that and I've reached the end, I don't feel an, a need or a desire to go back and mod it because I've got my full. Um, uh, even I, for I, games, even for games I replay, like Into the Gungeon, I've mentioned so many times, I play that game almost daily. I still feel no need to mod that because of how strong the normal base experience is. So yeah. maybe there's something wrong with my brain. Maybe I don't get along with mods, but I just, I, I've been watching trailers for Starfield and these pre-release hype things, and I just, I'm struggling to get excited about it, I think is what I'm trying to say. Well, so, I want to give it a look when it launches. Yeah. Um, and on that note, sorry, Lou, what did you want to say? No, I, I, I kind of just wanted to add that uh, apart from all of this stuff, the um, kind of the narrative, the storyline and the characters... Uh, were another kind of disappointing thing for me, but like like uh, we've been saying, we'll see it at launch and and see how it is, you know, going yeah. forward. Uh, I do uh. I do reserve some um, hesitation of trust for Todd Howard, uh, even though like Louis, I enjoy his RPGs. Um, but I believe his lies. Yeah. So yes, uh, Starfield launches on Xbox Series X and S and Windows PC on seventh September. Um, yeah. No PlayStation. Sorry, 6 September. 6 September. Sorry. Yes. No, no PlayStation. No yes. PlayStation. No play- yeah, that, that is going to be interesting. I think this is the first big Bethesda game that people care about that isn't coming to the Sony platforms. Mm-hmm. Which yeah. will be very interesting. I'm sure it, um, Microsoft is like, buy a flipping console. You know, <laughs> flips. So, to get to the last game, and my pick is Warhammer 40,000 Space Marine 2. So... Have you guys played the first game? Yeah, I played a, I played a, a whole lot of the oh, first game. 
Brendan? No, no. Okay. Louis, do you, before playing that game or even since playing that game, yeah. are you involved? Do you care about Warhammer 40k? Yeah, a lot, yeah. I've, I read, I've read a lot of the books. Oh, and, this uh, guy. I, I watched the YouTube. Yes. yes. <laughs> this guy gets me. So, okay, I'm going to leave I've you been... guys to nerd out for okay, two minutes. Minutes. Bye, Brendan. Nerd you can come back in like 20 minutes. Um, <laughs> no, I'll, I'll try to be quick about this one because um, we, we're getting to time here. But I love... Almost all of Games Workshop stuff. I love regular Warhammer. I love mm. 40k. Not so jazzed about Warhammer Fantasy, which they basically killed Warhammer to make. Um, I never really got into the Lord of the Rings stuff they did. But I, I'm a massive Warhammer 40k fan. Mm. Tried my hand at figure painting. I'm not very good at it. It's also and expensive. I, yeah. And very expensive. I, man, I remember when I was in primary school, I saved my pocket money for like two years to buy an ogre battle pack which i can't remember it's called a battle pack it's like a starter army mm -hmm. and that was like two years worth of pocket money for just like a 20 ogre models and there's don't please don't tell me on twitter oh but the ogres have a higher points cost per <laughs> per character so that's why you didn't get as many you should have bought skaven if you wanted more characters i know okay i know i wanted to play ogres because i like the chunky guys okay 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 so i love warhammer and i still maintain that the first space marine game is the best Games Workshop game, video game. Yeah, I agree with Just you. Just completely. I don't think... I know a lot of people love the like strategy games. I know some people loved uh, Vermintide and Darktide recently, but I just think it's the best realization of any Warhammer uh, world. And it's also mm. endlessly fun to play. Uh, I mean, I just mentioned I'm not like the guy who goes back and replays a lot of games. I've played War, um, Space Marine a lot of times. So... When they announced this a few years ago, or it might have been just one year ago, time time doesn't mean anything anymore. Um, I, I was super excited about this. So I was very surprised when Summer Games Fest, they announced that there will be a co-op mode. Now, yeah. the trailer revealing the co-op mode doesn't show that much co-op mode. There's like 20 seconds of the two characters saying, oh, I'm going to you know kill this Tyranid or whatever. Yeah. So it, it was a bit strange the way they released it. And... I'm still really excited for this game. I I don't I just don't think co-op was the best choice, honestly. Um I think it's uh, a, like a nice little, you know, a shot in the dark kind of mm. to rile up the community. Um I'm not going to really play co-op. I'm going to play yeah. uh, single player. Uh but I I've been I, I've watched the trailer now I think uh, maybe 15 times. Yeah. <laughs> um and uh, I I've definitely I've been looking at the comments and stuff and I, uh, there wasn't that much interest before the co-op mode was was revealed and all of a sudden everyone and their grandmother is excited about space marine 2 yep. so i think it was a good marketing direction um i don't really care uh the game looks great on top of it um and i think a lot of the story elements of the co-op uh you'll get anyway because you play the game um i think they said you play the game a single player you'll still have the other two space marines kind of behind yeah, you so yeah, the, the other two players would just like take control because yeah. in the first game it was also a three man squad. Yes, exactly. Of, uh, of Marines. So it's a three man squad again. I, I, I have nothing against Cop. I'm just, I, I just think this trailer didn't do the best job of showing it off mm. um, or getting people excited about it. So, yeah. I mean, if it takes nothing away from the single play experience, it really can't hurt. So, mm. in that way, I'm, I'm still super excited about this game. This, this trailer did just mostly confused me. I think mm. um, something that I, I don't think this trailer revealed, but there is now a link to it is the collector's edition, which is it's really boring. It's like 
So you get, I, think, like I think there's like a, I think there's like a figure yeah, or something. It's, it's half of Titus. I don't know mm. if it's Titus. It's like an, a, a it's marine. an ultramarine. Yeah. Yeah, it's not a bust because the the characters like cut off at the the top of their legs, and they're only ho- holding like half a turinid. It's it's very strange. It's two hundred and fifty dollars overseas. I don't know if we'll get it here. And I don't know if I really want it here. It's it's just kind of boring. Why didn't they give us like a wearable space marine helmet? I think That's- because uh, so. Uh, I don't even I don't even know the name of the company that's developing this. I think the the original Space Marine was made by um, Relic, Relic or THQ. Yes, no. So let, let me check that while I I'll, so uh, while you check that I'll, I'll just continue saying that um, I don't think the company that's developing this is you know this is like a, their first major title. Um, they're they're putting a lot of money behind it, but I don't think they have what like it, this is still kind of a I wouldn't say an indie, but it's still a very yeah. It's like double A. Yeah, it's obscure. It's, it's obscure. It's double A. It's definitely very double A. Yeah. Um, it's it, it graphically dates, uh, but it's still not. This isn't a God of War Ragnarok situation. Yeah. You know? This so isn't Sony putting I, behind all that money. Yeah. I don't think it needs to be that. I think compared to the first game, first of all, I want this one to be a bit longer. I think the first game was really great, but it was a bit too short. But on the mm. other hand, I think maybe if the first game was longer. The, it would kind of like grate on you. So I, I really don't know if being longer or shorter will help this one. Obviously, it's not my choice. No. But I, I yeah. think a little bit of visual polish. And I think if they just did like more of the same and improved on the parts just a little bit, like they don't need to mm. reinvent the wheel. They could just they could just play the greatest hits. And maybe that they might not be inventive job. or whatever. Um, and also they switched from orcs to tyranids tyranids have been mm-hmm. the enemies in a lot of horde games um i, I think dark tide they're the main enemy in dark tide they were also in uh space hulk um which was a first person horde slash co-op shooter yep. so the tyranids are an obvious choice because the skaven don't exist in 40k so, so yes in the in the first game uh yes. the main enemy is orcs until like the latter half of the game and then it changes yeah, so to... I, I think that's fine to say the games we're not we can spoil a little bit okay in, it, ch- it changes game, to demons right yeah well it changes to chaos so you fight mm-hmm. chaos demons and you fight chaos space marines and the chaos space marines were like more bullet spongy and um yeah more ranged enemies so okay so the first game was published by sega and developed by relic and this okay. new game is published by Focus, who used to be called Focus Home, and it's being developed by Saber Interactive. So let me just see on this Steam yeah. page what is Saber? So I've done? never heard of Saber before. Oh, they've done Plague Tale Requiem. Oh, oh okay. So well, it's, the, it's the Plague Tale devs. Okay. Well, that's cool. Oh, hold on, hold on, hold on. The, the way Steam does this is not great. Did they do Plague Tale? Why is it? Why is it like this? So no, it wasn't them. Sorry, this I clicked okay. on the publisher page and I I clicked on the developer page and it took me to the publisher page. Give me one second. Okay, so, so I don't think Saber's done much. I'll Google it. Go ahead. Uh, yeah, I, I don't think Saber's done much either. Um, so you were saying the length of the game m- might be uh, problematic, but I think one of the things that was really great about the original Space Marine, yeah, and uh, and also uh, what hasn't been mentioned at all was the multiplayer. Yes, so, I was it, going it, to say that when we're talking about co-op. Yes, because it was so super sick. Because you could make your own. So it was basically uh, spa- like Space Marines versus Chaos Space Marines. You yes. could play. You could play in the evil side, and yes. you could like customize your own Space Marine. Yes, and you could, the customization was so fun. It was super sick, and you could like, uh, and you could, and they knew that it was going to be fun because they let you like have different loadouts, and you could uh, make your own Space Marine chapter uh, guys. 
and uh, and it was really fun. Like if you use like a the jump the jetpack class, you jump up and you just massacre people. It was great. Yeah. And um, yeah, I'm super excited to see what if hopefully they bring it back for the second. Yes. Game. And in the second in the first game, they they released dreadnoughts for the multiplayer, which I never got to play. I yeah, was like busy doing other stuff. Man, the dreadnoughts look like so much fun. Um, I do want to mention Saber apparently did World War Z. And okay. you can see a lot of the like horde zombie stuff in this oh, new game. Okay. So that makes sense. World War Z, I own that game. I've had it forever on Epic. I got it like I think I got it um with my AMD uh, GPU like seven years ago. So I really need to play World War Z Aftermath. Everything I've heard about it is good. So if they can bring that positivity and this horde mechanic to the new game, I'll be very happy. Um so that is Warhammer 40k Space Marine 2. It has such it has so much to to live up to yeah. after that first game. I really think you and I are not alone, Louis, in thinking it is the best Games Workshop game, video game ever. Yeah. So um, There's a lot of stinkers in the Games Workshop uh, Boy, yeah. uh, gaming library. That's for yeah, sure. The but, joke yeah. is that you just flip a coin when a new uh, Warhammer or Warhammer yeah. 40k come, game comes out. So that, unfortunately, still doesn't have a release date. It is still just 2023. I would hope that they're going to announce a release date at some point. Um, and it is coming out on next-gen consoles and PC, including PlayStation. So PlayStation 5, Xbox Series X and S and PC. And we'll have to see. I will, if I don't get a review copy, I haven't bought a full-price new game in maybe five or six years. I think the last one I bought full-price at launch was Doom 2016. Um, and that was a while ago. This might be, if I don't get a review unit of this, I might buy day one. Well, I'll buy day two. I'm going to practice what I preach, and I'm not going to buy. I, I've never pre-ordered anything in my life, um, and I won't buy this day one. If day two comes out and all the reviews say, yeah, it runs pretty well on PC, um, and the game is good, then I'll buy day two. So, Louis, are you going to pick this one up, or are you going to wait? Or what's your, what's your uh, I'm, I'm going to... See, I'll probably pick it up. I'll say that I'll see and I'll wait, but I'll probably get it. Brendan, um, you have to play the first game before this comes out. It is, uh, it is like Brendan. It's like twenty rand on Steam sometimes, dude. Okay, well, I'll see. I'll it's, see. It's I'll a, see it's a G, solid, no? it's a solid third-person shooter. I, I think I played it again two years ago, and it's still really good. So it holds up, even though it came out so long ago. So okay. please, it's a, maybe I must just buy it for Brendan and gift it to your Steam. <laughs> It's been so cheap so many times. I'll add it to my wish list, even though I own it, and next time it goes on sale. I must remember to do that. But those are the games we are excited about for the rest of this year from Not E3. And with that, we are going to wrap up the AfriCast. So, everybody, thanks for listening. Follow us on social media for more of this. Check out the links to read more about what we've talked about today. But for myself, for Brendan. Cheerio. For Louis. Bye, guys. We'll see you next time. Bye, everybody. Bye. The number you have dialed is not in service at this time.